0: Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by Elle Fanning to talk all about her current projects, The Great and The Girl from Plainville. And and starting with The Great, you know, there's so much amazing physicality in terms of the comedy in that show and always has been. And I feel like this season and watching it, you really got to play around with different aspects of Catherine as a character in that regard because the power balance is completely shifted. When she walks into a room, she's the person that holds the power rather than trying to gain the power. And so even the interactions that you have with Nick Nicholas Holt throughout the show as well, that kind of physicality in terms of the demeanor and scenes together is also very different. So I was really interested in how that allowed you to play into a lot of different spaces physically with her this season.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. That's very true. I mean, obviously like the first season was very much about Catherine, you know, planning this coup and trying to get the power. And I think second season is kind of answering that question, okay, once you have the power, are you gonna be good at having the power? Are you, um, how are you going to use that power? And um, yeah, with the physicality, also what kind of sprang to mind was obviously the, the pregnancy of it all in the second season, which I was very, I was excited to get to kind of bring, incorporate the pregnancy into my acting because I think like tonally what the show does so well is we always kind of cut very traumatic or very emotional moments with kind of something that's bizarre or something that's there that that is funny and I think using the even like the pregnancy waddle or that I'm you know craving dirt and rose petals and rusty nails and like during um, you know high stakes political discussions like that having the pregnancy kind of bubbling is like a comedic through line throughout was something I was excited to use. Um, and I think I've grown into the like getting more used to using like the physicality and physical comedy. Um, I've grown into maybe not being as embarrassed to show that. Cause I think the first season I, I was kind of new to the comedy aspects of like telling a joke and hitting the punchline. And then second season, I kind of just, I was like, let my like freak flag fly. I was like, let, I'm going for this and I'm not gonna be embarrassed and I'm really gonna um, try the big expressions or the, you know, the big physicality moments, even if they aren't totally always in there, they you know, don't make the edit. But I think I, all the cast, I think we were a bit more daring because I think seeing the first season, we realized we could actually, we can really push this show Um, it's, you know, pretty far and people will accept it because of the world that Tony's created. It's so bonkers that you kind of just
0: believe anything, um, which is yeah. fun. It's like I mean, that's one of th- that's one of the things that like audiences respond to the most in the show, but also seems like makes it the most fun project to work on as a performer because you don't have those parameters in the same way that you do with other characters and other projects. But I was actually interested because it is such a broad spectrum, tonally, comedically, dramatically, what do you feel are the parameters within Catherine as a character that you still try to play within?
1: I think she has to always come from a very genuine, truthful place. I think you have to come, uh, at least for me, Catherine was kind of the, the audience weirdly, like in the first season of like, by kind of being dropped into this crazy world. And she was like the straight man in a way. And then now as she's gotten to know the country a bit more, she's kind of becoming one of them, which I'm actually, I'm I'm excited for even like third season to push that more. Cause I almost, and and Nick and I talk about this a lot. Like I do think that Catherine and Peter, well, they're so complicated because they actually are kind of the only ones that do understand each other in this world. And they're the only ones that have had to rule this country and kind of learn the ins and outs of it. So um, it's really, yeah. It's playing the. You just have to believe it. You have to believe the crazy scenarios um, and be truthful and have emotional weight. Like I think that the 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 very high stakes and um, sad moments like have to be believed and have to be really palpable for for the audience to to care. Because um, as a, you know, we are a comedy and it's very dark and, and witty and, and has that and very rambunctious. But at the same time, I think like this season was also so emotional. Like it was very, very emotional, um, as well. And you have to just kind of live in that world and, um, yeah, just, it, it and, and believe it, you know, the emotional weight has to hold up. That's something that Tony always says to us. So
0: It really does hold up and and one of the things that I love in terms of that myriad of tone is it's not that a singular scene is one tone, the next is the other. Sometimes it's all within the same moment and the moment where, you know, Peter abdicates and she realizes that she's able to take over in terms of power and control is like such a great example of that in terms of your performance specifically. And I was interested in how you approach a scene like that, where it's a very internalized moment for her as a character and you're trying to capture that entire trajectory of what that means. You know, she's just achieved everything she's been trying to achieve throughout the first season, but also is immediately grappling with the ramifications of what it means to get everything you've ever wanted. Completely.
1: I mean, I think she's such this, she's such a, you know, a very romantic person, very, um, you know, she wants she wants no bloodshed. She wants peace and love and and harmony. And, and a bit, honestly, when in that moment, I think she is a little in over her head. Like, I don't think she realizes yet the ramifications or kind of, of what's, how hard it's really going to be to change people. And I think in a weird way, she's like, well, I can just, you know, say a long speech and tap my fingers and people will understand. And everyone wants to listen to me and I'm the best ever. Like she has such a big ego, which is one of my favorite things, um, to play with Catherine is her ego. It's just like, it's always there. She really thinks highly of herself, which, um, can get her into trouble sometimes. Um, But I know, I mean, that is, you know, that one moment where it's like, Peter's like, he's hungry, and he just like gives it up. And you're like, wow, we've worked so hard for this moment. Is it everything that it, you know, is it, am I going to be able to live up to the person that, you know, she wants to be in the rule or she wants to be? And I think that that question is like, the jury is still out on that, actually. I think, you know, she faltered a lot in the second season. And that's something of why I, I don't, I love playing Catherine so much is that she's very complicated and messy. And of course it is, you know, has, you know, fem, femi- um, feminist undertones, but it's not that she's perfect and Brave. I think that is what makes it feminist. It's like we're all just trying to figure this out, and we're sometimes have to look to others for answers. And, you know, her pregnancy, she's like, I'm tired and I'm I'm angry and I'm like, all the emotions are bubbling up, and she can show those emotions. And um, that's something that taking on the role when like Tony wrote this character. I'm like, God, I I just there's so many places for her to go she's not just one thing and she doesn't always know exactly what to do which um it's quite i don't know it's quite fun to play sometimes her mania <laughs> and how her big kind of speeches that she thinks I'm, like, I'm gonna make a huge impact and then it's like oh it so i can't just snap my fingers and this happens um so that it's always interesting to, to play those <laughs> play those different beats
0: I mean, in in terms of that romanticism and and the ideas that she has against the the actuality, it's also so great to watch her go through this journey where, you know, she's been completely you know, reviled by Peter's behavior as a leader in the past, but she kind of realizes that there's certain aspects that she has to start doing for herself. And and even to the point where she ends up taking a life and there has to be a premeditation to that moment as well. Um, But in terms of that scene, I was interested in the groundwork that you had to lay in episodes leading up to it so that it didn't feel like a completely jarring character shift for her because that doesn't feel like a moment that would have happened at the beginning of the season or the first season, but it felt completely earned warranted for her at that point in her story
1: thank you thank you I think um Mm. you know it's it's funny the way that kind of Tony also writes because you don't get all the scripts all at once so you kind of we have an overview of basically kind of what's going to happen in the season but that can also change throughout while we're filming so um we get kind of two scripts at a time and we block shoot and film two episodes at once um and I knew that there was gonna be. I was like, okay. I knew that I was probably gonna like kill the sultan and and try to, you know, with um, with Pugachev. It was like you're gonna think it's him and and all this. And I was like, okay. I, I was like, okay. So that's kind of how I where I have to get to and. I mean, it is true. Like thinking about Catherine, even at the start of how she was, and she's so innocent and like, you would never think of her taking life, but I do believe that like the second season was her growing in her like ruthlessness. And that's something that I think with her relationship with Peter was something that he was trying to tell her. He's like, no, you're just like me. You're just as ruthless as I am. You're going to, you know, you're, you can't rule a country without at least some blood on your hands. And this is going to happen. And she's like constantly like, no, no, no. And wanting to shut him out. And of course, not wanting to address her feelings that her kind of her love that she has for him, that she's constantly trying to push down. Um, And we, we, you know, we, We talked, I don't know, we talked a lot about how to kind of get her there. I think she is still very regretful of those things that she has done because she didn't want to rule in that manner, in that way. Um, But I think the kind of the whole second season, she's becoming a mother to the country. She's becoming a mother herself. And um, she's just, she's constantly growing. um, But even though, even the arc it's almost, it's not like it's from A to B anymore. It's like A to D to C to A, you know, it's like going, it's always, she's always flip-flopping back and forth. And so um, in that, in that way, that's kind of how I could put it together that she's, she's just trying to figure out the best way and the right way. And she wants to do the right thing, but she doesn't always necessarily know if, if it's right or not. So um, I I'm, I'm excited to push her even more, kind of to that ruthless area. Um, I think you know when someone like you know fucks your mom and you know like it's uh, you know kills her. Yeah, kills her. Yeah, exactly. Your your husband. It's your husband. Like you know your emotions are you you don't know what you're you, you're capable of once that happens to you. <laughs>
0: I mean, with her emotions overall as well, I love the fact that obviously the writing is so incredibly rich, you know, and and so detailed in terms of specificity. But the writing also allows for the moments between the dialogue really beautifully as well. And particularly with Catherine, we get to see so many moments where she's just in a room by herself for a moment, taking a breath. What does that mean for her? And even the elements of herself where her frustrations and the things that she can't express or, out loud, you know, come out in these really external frustrations where she's physically, you know, punching and hitting herself, which are so interesting to watch as well. And, and was interested in hearing a little bit about shooting a lot of those in-between moments for you because they're such internalized performance moments again. And, and also particularly those moments where everything's coming to the surface and she doesn't really know how to express herself in that way.
1: Yeah. You know, I love those moments, like just kind of the breathing space to without dialogue. It's funny to say, but I mean, our, our show is so dialogue heavy. And so we, you know, Tony wants us word perfect and it's the rhythm is so specific and important and, and that's such a huge part of our show and what makes it great. But, um, it is so nice, I think, and kind of crucial to have those beats where you see the character, processing kind of the weight and and reliving what's happening and kind of grappling with how to deal with it. And I think um yeah, I mean I remember the punching myself in the face. I was like, that was always me punching myself in the face. There was like a stunt coordinator on set and and I'd be like he was like, no, you have like, we have to fake it. Like, don't actually do it. And I'm like, I'm actually going to do it. Like every time I was like, just hauling off and hitting myself. And he's like, oh my God, no, he's like, I'm going to get fired for this. I'm like, it's okay. I'm like, don't worry. It looks real. Like it's okay. Um, but it just shows, I think, especially, well, that's starting out also with, you know, losing Leo in the first season of her great love. And I think Catherine, as a person she's always looking for that great love um whether i mean i think a huge bit of it is russia and is the country itself um but also kind of romantically her wanting to find that and losing him that was kind of carrying over of course and um but anytime think she can get quite overwhelmed like as a person and I and I can relate to that like I get very I'm very passionate I can get very overwhelmed and stressed about things and it's like I just need an outburst um but I'm happy that those kind of those those areas to breathe are also in the show for for many characters it's like a nice reprieve I'm I'm like you know I also love it because on the day I don't have to memorize anything (laughs) like that's nice too
0: (laughs) And obviously, you know, you were bringing up one of of the key storylines, which is that Peter fucks her mother and then kills her. And I actually wanted to ask you about the delivery of the line in that final episode where she's like, I have five points to make, like you fucked my mother, you know, and just repeats it five times because I love moments like that where there's so many different ways that you could deliver those lines and play them in the moment. And so was that something where you played around with different possible directions for each delivery? Or did you really find that in the moment in terms of the delivery of each time where she's repeating this one thing because it's also there's the comedy and the fact that she never mentions the fact that he killed her as well in that moment yeah that's true
1: <laughs> he's like I don't care that you killed her you fucked her it's even worse <laughs> um that's funny I remember that day was a very special day it was very close you know our shoot was almost nine months especially COVID also prolonged things for the second season it was it was quite intense and also being kind of in lockdown and not able to go out and kind of blow, blow off steam, you know, um, with such an intense show to shoot. Um, cause it just is so long and like, it's just, it's, it's so, it's light that it's fun, but the work is, is very challenging. Um, you know, just with, with everything, you know, getting ready each day, the two hours before with the corsets and just all of that, um, you know, does something to you mentally. Um, and that scene was very, it was almost like the last day. Um, and I knew God, it was such an important, like that whole wedding was so important. And we had these speeches to make, Nick and I to each other. And we actually shot our close ups at the same time. We had two cameras going. So we were both like doing our close ups, like looking at each other. His the camera was close on him, close on me. that was really um that was great to do because it wasn't like one was off camera. We both were just like giving it our all for each other for those close-ups. Um, and I do remember, I think, I mean, with Tony's writing, you there is a specific rhythm, but you can kind of say things in a lot of different ways. And like some things are going to be funny, some things aren't. Like you have to test it out. So on the day, I think I did it. A, I did that a couple different ways. And it actually just ended up being weirdly like the more truthful one, like not pushing too hard, just kind of stating the facts, you know, (laughs) like stating it um, pretty like subduedly. Um, And especially for the speech, that was a that was kind of a turning point because I had been making so many speeches all along this season, like as a leader and they seemed normally all the speeches were pretty planned. Like I in Catherine's mind, I think they were very kind of written and she'd memorized them and knows what she wanted to say. And I remember doing a take that was kind of a little bit more like she had rehearsed it. And then I think it was like Colin and Tony, Colin um, was the, the director for that, those, that episode, but they had kind of come to me and said like, I think this is not that moment. Like, I think this is a time where she's off the cuff and like, she's not you know, she's finally realizing that her big rousing speeches aren't going to do the trick here. And it has to come from the heart, even though obviously she's planning to kill him after this. So there's in the back of my mind, I was like, right. So it's a little off the cuff and she's realizing these realizations while she's saying them, but then it's also like a goodbye speech to him. And so that was my, that was kind of my, mindset. I was like, it's also her like kind of saying goodbye to him and kind of accepting this is the way that it's going to be. Obviously he weirdly thought ahead. He was two steps ahead of me with putting Pugachev in there, but (laughs) Peter often is weirdly, he's like, you're thinking so dumb, but you're like, he's actually quite smart
0: sometimes. (laughs) I love all of those details and, and jumping over and talking about the girl from Plainville, yes, yeah. you know, the way that we were talking about certain parameters and the way that you play Catherine, obviously when you're playing anyone that's based on a real person, that's a really natural part of the character development process is finding those spaces in terms of where do I want to stay really true to it? Where do I really want to stay true to the very specific research archival material and where are the parameters? And, and with this, it sounds like that came down to both the way that you were able to shape the character, but also the way that you You filmed certain scenes like the the text fantasy scenes where it's you and Colton Ryan together. You know, I I know that there were certain parameters of like you're never too physically close. You're never touching in those moments. And so for the show overall, what were some of the, the parameters that ended up being in place in terms of how you played Michelle as a character, but also how you told the story? Yeah, I think it was a very daunting, you know, role and story
1: to take on I remember when obviously I you know was familiar with the case um but I it wasn't until they came to me uh, Patrick McManus approached me and UCP and Jesse Barron who was you know they had bought the article and they approached me to possibly play Michelle and it wasn't an automatic yes like I really had to think about it because I Obviously, everyone is still alive. A, a great tragedy came out of this. A life is lost. And I, it it, it took me a while to tr- kind of, I was like, how am I going to play this as a character? Because I'm like, she is alive and these people, this is their story. We have to handle this with sensitivity and be able, but then also be able to remove yourself and play it as a character, you know? And I think the turning point for me was weirdly the kind of the blurred reality that we created. I think that we play with fantasy and reality so much in our show and, um, you know, kind of learning about Michelle's fascination with Glee and like the Fault in Our Stars and kind of all those those YA stories like I I could relate because I also I don't live in reality a lot of the time most of the time I'm acting and I'm I'm in a fantasy world and it's hard to sometimes you get so caught up in that and you have to remind yourself to ground yourself um but once I kind of found that in it made me understand her um, a bit more I think I don't have to agree with the things that she did i don't have to you know necessarily like her or approve of that but i can't judge her when you're playing a character you do have to try to figure out how to understand how this happened and i think that joining the the show everyone that was involved kind of behind the scenes was on the same page of you know we're not trying to rewrite what happened or you know she went to jail for manslaughter we're not trying to overturn this verdict here this happened but I think there's a we can look at it from you know maybe an you know unbiased perspective and it's also I mean, Chloe Sevigny is so amazing as Lynn and shows such as kind of beautiful very like one literally like the most truthful um you know performances that I've seen of like a grief, like journey of grief. It's so heartbreaking and um, you just feel for everyone so much, but we wanted to take a step back and kind of show this story as what it is. It's such a modern tale. It could only have happened now with how we're all trying to deal with technology and what's going on. And um, I think for me, I could, that was my in, like it was the, you know, kind of the, the false reality and also that relationship that we all have with our phones that I'm still trying to figure out. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm I'm addicted. It's sitting next to me right now. (laughs) Um, and it's, it can be a really scary, it can be a really horrible place, you know, growing up, um, with phones and comparing yourself to others and bullying online it's so much easier to do that behind a screen um, and not face to face Um, obviously these two characters only met like four times in person so their whole relationship was with these text messages that we were able to see I I read them all um, which was really an, an intense experience but quite beautiful as well like you saw their silly side and just an entire teenage relationship is in these text messages obviously it goes to an extremely dark place um but the reading the in between they were so truthful with each other oddly um and really found two people that you're like i just ugh, maybe wish that they had never found each other you know um but they were very it seemed to be very honest um, and yeah, all the obviously the text fantasies. We had those guidelines and rules um, that you'd mentioned before. Because I'm like, okay, especially too, I was like, this is a texting show. But I'm like, how uncinematic is it to watch two people just like sit on like like sit and text? So we had to figure out a kind of device to use, which I think was a nice thread, you know, throughout the the show and got you got to see their relationship and also show you know, like as texting is a lot of the time, how they interpreted what they said. Cause I think, you know, Colton and I worked on, I'd be playing one emotion and interpreting his words in a different way. And so it was a real excerpt, like an acting exercise in kind of your present, but also really in your own world and don't have to necessarily be so present and reacting to the other person because we couldn't touch and we were looking at each other, but we were kind of in different wavelengths sometimes during those fantasies, which was fun. I talked a lot.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's all incredible detail. And I mean, to your point as well, That that's kind of the smartest choice they've made and how they've told the story is by having those moments to make it feel visually dynamic because that is the challenge in this. Yeah. And it's also so fascinating in terms of what you and Colton had to figure out for those scenes in terms of the, the tonality of like, what is the tone of these moments? Because you're not playing a real interaction between the two of them. You're playing something that's in both of their minds and, and there's different dynamics to it. There's moments where their text each other and they're in the room together and they're both reading their texts out loud Mm -hmm. and then there's moments like the dance sequence from Glee which feels like that's very much from Michelle's perspective that's Mm -hmm. something that exists within her head and so that's a different tonality execution in terms of what you're doing performance-wise with Colton there so Mm -hmm. how did you find the essence of what those scenes needed to be in that regard
1: you know we really um kind of all the well all the texts that we said were from the actual text so I'm pretty sure that yeah they didn't um change them at all so they really pulled sections out of the conversations that they did have um I think it was really also kind of figuring out where each of our characters what place they were at because I think you know Colton is he's so mind-blowingly good like it was to to be able to work alongside him and and watch him and react to his he was so so heartbreaking and you could just feel his pain is so available and it's so there and just coming off the screen and and you can read that and I also think he was so beautiful at you know layering that pain of when you he's he's really in, in a, a deeper part of that pain or, or possibly in a, in a lighter part. I think we had to, we definitely had to weave that and figure out um, where we were. Um, I think also, you know, you know, Liz Hannah, she's someone that was a, she was one of the showrunners um, with Patrick and um, I've worked with her quite a bit and she's a really close friend of mine. And um just kind of combing through each scene and, and figuring out also where Michelle's head's at. Cause she's a tricky, it was, she's a tricky character to play because I there's a lot of scenes that you could say she's very over the top in. And I had to, you know, really trust people around me. Cause I'm like, well, are people just going to think I'm over the top, like acting, you know, like overly dramatic, but I think, but as a teenager, that was the Michelle, at least that we created, that she, everything is the end of the world. And and especially, um, you know, I think loneliness is a huge part of our story and that feeling of not having anyone and that desperation. So I, especially like in those text fantasies too, it's Michelle just, she'll say anything to just keep the person you know, keep their attention and doesn't want them to go away from you. And so that kind of that driving pulse is like all was always inside me and always in me. But I was like, God, am I just, sometimes I'm like, am I being too over the top? Like I had to cal. It was calibrating all of that. Just right. was interesting, especially playing with the grief, you know, like the, the scene at the end or the scene at the end of the pilot, the meta scene with like, with me singing Leah Michelle with glee. That was, um, it was such an interesting thing to play cuz i'm like i'm i'm playing michelle who's kind of trying to mimic grief but she's also grieving in her own way then of course you know leah michelle is playing a character who's grieving her boyfriend but she also is personally really grieving a loss too so it was um that's i mean when i read that scene i was like oh this is going to be my this is going to be a challenge but also was kind of one of the reasons i really was excited to, to do this part. Cause I'm like, that's a scene. That's like a once in a lifetime scene.
0: You're not going to get that quite again.
1: I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: In that calibration that you were talking about in terms of finding the right nuance for your performance it, it's about that and then it's also a calibration in terms of the way that the story is told and choices you're making throughout in terms of not necessarily going for something that's going to be the most dramatic choice on scene on screen but something that's going to be the most truthful grounded element as well and so was there actually a real benefit into coming into filming this right off the back of the great because I think you only had about two weeks between yeah. finishing season two of the great and coming into filming this. Because that's obviously a space where, you know, from everything we were just talking about, you're really having to always find the grounded truthfulness for your character in amongst the more heightened elements. And so was there a benefit to, to coming off of that show and into this in terms of finding that very specific nuanced calibration?
1: Well, that's true. I think you just like, that's nice because you kind of found a, a common thread between the two, which I hadn't actually thought of much, um, but... I guess, yeah, that makes sense. I, I did. I only had two weeks. It was such a shock to the system to go from <laughs> the great to the show. I um I think it was beneficial though, because then if it was like another comedy or another, you would try to be recreating what you've been doing. So to have something so drastically different in comparison was really. I think very helpful for me to just go to a different place altogether. Um, but yeah, as it, that's interesting. I do think in a lot of ways I, I had to ground moments, especially with Michelle to that, that could be over the top to some, but are very real inside her body. And she's feeling it in a, in a truthful way, but it might look a little bit you know, uh, obscure to people on the outside or a little bit bizarre. So, um, maybe I was used to flexing that muscle. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And in terms of, of, the, the court scenes as well, that was another place where there is more material on that. There's obviously the transcripts, there's certain video footage of certain moments from the trial yeah. as well. But performance wise, what you're having to do in that moment is really play to active listening. You know, she's not able to express herself on the surface in those moments. She can't respond emotionally to things that people are saying. Mm-hmm. You can't really get that essence externally in terms of where she's at, in terms of her emotional trajectory, but you're still playing to it throughout And so what were the challenges that came with those particular scenes with the fact that you're also still not delivering dialogue through the majority of those moments?
1: Yeah, the courtroom scenes were so interesting because i you know, um, obviously our show, it spans like seven years. um, And Michelle also physically changes so much in those seven years, personally changes so much. Um, she really grows into this kind of hollow shell of, of, of a person, especially in the courtroom. She's really um, been beaten down and her uh, her her physical appearance is so strikingly different. She um, is wearing like a lot of her mother's clothing. Um, we, the costume designer that we had on the show is so incredible. And she back searched on the computer and found all the same um items of clothing that Michelle wore like from you know Ann Taylor Loft like at the exact shirts that she wore I was in the same thing so it was quite eerie I would say um and also I mean knowing that because there's no footage of her pre-trial really like all the everything that's online is her in these in the courtroom and people are very familiar with the way that she looked in those paparazzi photos in the court but before that you know she looked so So different. And she was I mean, she was voted most likely to brighten your day in high school, um, which is just so ironic. (laughs) Um, But thinking back to, you know, looking at her in that high school photo pre all of this, she's just such a different person. So I think we all tried to work together to show kind of what she grew into. And I think at the court, just the shell and of a person that she's become and the meekness of like, and she obviously didn't testify or anything. Um, and the only audio recording I had of her was she says um, her name like at the beginning of the trial states that, and then that's it. And there's also one recording recording. With her police officer, when she hands her phone over, um, I think that's in episode three. But there's recording of her speaking that, but she sounds so um, so young and in, and in, 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 in pretty scared and nervous in, in that recording. But um, yeah, the courtroom scenes, you know, she yeah she she was such a had such a specific way of holding her face that I think you know many people judge that. When you go back to like, you know, Amanda Knox's trial or kind of young women that are in the media at that time, they're so judged of if they're showing enough emotion, if they're not doing enough, if they're scowling with what they're wearing, you know, the color of their hair, what they look like is so put on display. So, um, getting kind of inside the internal thoughts of her and actually how, Brutal that must have been to also see people that you thought were your best friends saying basically what a loser you were (laughs) in front of everyone in a courtroom is so that feeling I can't imagine. I mean, putting myself in that place, but as an actor, you kind of that's what you have to do. Um, and again, yeah, not not a lot of dialogue to convey, but I think it's kind of all it's all in those moments. But we got to you know, have the fantasy moment at the end with the teenage dirtbag of episode seven. I do love, I love that sequence, um, where again, where another fantasy kind of lets her express her emotions because she doesn't, um, she, you know, she's not much, she's not doing that much in the court. So yeah. And fantasy
0: helps us out (laughs) yet again and both of these are just such phenomenal performances and such different projects and really appreciate you taking time and talking about both of these with oh, us today thank you so much Elle. thank
1: you I know it's like a mind I'm like whoa talking about both at the same time <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> thank you